is a man, is a man, and I told you so. All right, welcome to the Wage of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. Please don't sue us. <laughs> Spencer Davis, we we love you. Don't don't do that to us. Um, we are uh, we're we're catching up. Uh, we have our uh, what the devil is that movie to talk about. Yep. This is our series uh, all through seven, 2017 where we ask ourselves, what the devil is that? And we watch it. We because find we've a... watched, we watch a movie that neither of us has ever heard of before and we just go ahead with it. Yeah. Now, I should say that this is another movie like Backstreet where it's possible that I did come across this title at some point in my life and I just forgot about it. Because I'm, I'm certain that uh, Tom Waits is the star of the movie that we're talking about tonight, which is Bearskin, an urban fairy tale. Directed by Anne and Eduardo Guedes. Yes, Guedes. And um, I'm certain that at some point in my life, I have gone up to, to Tom Waits' IMDb page yeah. and you know looked at the movies he's been in. But this was one that I just... I don't know. I guess it just didn't stick with me, or something like that. Like, because he has a few movies like that that he he act he acted in movies that people know, like Down by Law, and he he appeared in Robert Altman's Shortcuts, and uh, of course uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, where he plays Satan, which everybody and Dracula, see that. of course Renfield and Dracula. Um, so he's been in a few things. One of the top ten Renfields. Of course, he and he plays himself in uh, one of the best scenes in uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. Uh, if you ever want to check out that, like he and Iggy Pop have a really amazing scene together in that film where they argue about uh, who has the be- most songs on the jukebox and other things like that. Well, Iggy Pop wins that hands down, I think. <laughs> but here's that. Here's the point. But the point is, we watched this film, which. It's a little odd, you could yeah. say. It's a lot odd. That, that's Here's, a running theme, I think, through the movies we're watching this year. We watch a lot of odd movies. Yeah. Uh, Bearskin is the story of a man named Johnny Fortune. Yes. Uh, a British man living in British land. And <laughs> hey, he, you said that pretty well. Thank you. And he is down on his luck. He owes money to the mob. And he goes into hiding. (laughs) I like the way you said that. He goes into hiding by working for first a lady in a costume shop, then for Tom Waits, who is a Punch and Judy puppeteer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're off. Yes. If the words Tom Waits as a Punch and Judy puppeteer don't make you at least a little curious to watch this movie, there's something wrong with you. This Uh, movie reminds me of something. But I don't know what it is. Uh, it, well, what I told you when we were watching it, I was reminded a tiny bit of this movie from the early 70s, or it might have been 1970, called Performance, with uh, James Fox and Mick Jagger. Well, I, ha- I haven't seen that. Well, no, no, I know you haven't. I, 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 that's just, But just for me, I'm saying that it I... It was a pretty safe bet to say I hadn't seen it. I imagine <laughs> not. I, I imagine that you weren't... You, you aren't going out of your way to watch... Uh, Mick Jagger uh, doing Memo from Turner in a movie, which again, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. I know um, music. Um, but well, I, well, the yeah. thi- well, the reason why you probably thought it was familiar is because it ha- it has a slightly familiar setup where somebody is in owing money to the mob and has to go on the run and do something. 
I mean, uh, there, I'm sure there are a lot of films like that in history or, or stories. And I, I told you also, I, I felt like part of the story, if it maybe had been directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky, would have been perfect. Yeah, because it's all about this sort of... I Jodorowsky has, made, has talked about his past in sort of... Uh, street performing and and mime and and we and we've and seen theater. that in some of his films and so and uh, Santa Sangre was about this sort of puppeteer right and you, you know you'd feel like oh there's a man living in this sort of community uh, living among these very weird theater people this would be up Jodorowsky's alley uh, you know but <coughs> there's that there's a sort of uh, weird. Well, it's right in the title. It, it's supposed to be, I guess, the filmmakers mean for this to be a fairy tale. I think okay. the, the only question I have is, what kind of fairy tale are they telling? Okay, well, they, they call it an urban fairy tale. So what about this film was fairy tale like? I think that one part of it is, that there's a character who who keeps popping up from time to time. Is this character named Jordan, yeah. I believe? Um, and he's a, a British character actor. I'm going to show you his face right now on my computer screen. So that was the guy, right? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. He's been in a lot of movies over the years. Like, he's somebody who pops up yeah, in... Yeah, what is his real name, again? Uh, his name is Bill Patterson. Yeah. He, he's the actor. And he he will pop up from time to time to... Almost like kind of like a drifter to, to uh, for the character of Johnny Fortune. Um, and he actually is the one who tells Johnny about this job as a, quote, entertainer's assistant. Uh... And that's where he, you know, he gets the job in this helping out this Punch and Judy show by being in a bear costume during uh, this show for children. But this character of, uh, again, this character of Jordan will just kind of appear from time to time in the film. And you, he kind of pops up for no reason, really. He Ex kind of fulfills this fairy godmother role. Yeah, that's the thing whenever that I'm he, wondering about. Whenever he pops up, it's usually when Johnny's in trouble, or he and he usually gives some sort of assistance. Yes. Except at the end, when uh, nothing, he doesn't seem to, when Johnny doesn't <laughs> seem to do anything. Uh, it's yeah. this. I think perhaps there's also a sort of. Well, maybe just to, even his name is Johnny Fortune. Well. Maybe that's kind of a gangster -y type name anyway. Or something well, we, we wouldn't have known that if they hadn't put it in the credits. No, they only call him Johnny. They don't really call him Johnny Fortune Yeah, in the story. There's, uh, a, there's a little bit of a sort of idealization of the world around them. It's like so we're supposed to believe that Tom Waits is this uh, Punch and Judy puppeteer who somehow makes a living off of that. And he's also the token American, too. Like th This movie takes place in England. There's uh, this, there's this sort of storybook-like character, in, uh, a, a woman named Mrs. J, who just owns all this warehouse full of costumes, but never rents anything out. There could be that. You also have, uh, I don't know if in fairy tales you sometimes have like the kind of naive or vulnerable uh, girl or something like that. I don't know if that's a tr if that that's a thing at all in fairy tales because there's another character uh, named Laura. Uh, played by Julia Britton, who is mute and doesn't say a word through uh, the whole story. She says words. Well, not... She well, calls out Johnny's name a few times. Oh, oh. She just doesn't talk. No, yeah, yeah. She she doesn't... She I guess she's one of those people that doesn't talk because maybe she doesn't have things 
that she needs to say. Right. Um, you would kind of expect to find characters more like this, uh, perhaps in, in a, a crime more fantastical film. setting. In a fantastical setting, I think what what throws you off is that, like, there are times where this also reminded me a little bit of like a Guy Ritchie movie, but only in little parts. Because there are like there are a couple of these gangsters who throughout the story are are trying to hunt down Johnny because he owes money debts or gambling debts or something like that um i mean they they established that pretty well at the beginning so it's not like that's too confusing but these guys will just periodically show up um and they'll be driving in a car and will flash to them talking to one another as if it's a comedy bit about crabs yes like like the animal crabs and um but that but that conversation is neither goes nowhere anywhere nor is it funny. <laughs> but it's also reminiscent of the kind of thing that like Guy Ritchie would do in one of his movies. Like or or again, in a much better movie like Tarantino does, where you have a scene where characters talk about something that doesn't really have to relate to the plot, but it's interesting. The only difference it's here is that it, it really doesn't relate to the plot. And it's also not very funny. They're tr- like these two guys, it almost feels like they're improvising, but I don't think they were. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they were talking about crabs and it, 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 it feels felt just like, weird and like self it feels like here take riff on this joke about sh- about shellfish but you know it didn't really go anywhere and the weird thing is that they have they they, they cut to them at one point argue like talk, having this conversation and you think that all right well that was a little weird but that all right but that's one time later on they cut back to them again as they're if they're having the same conversation thing. yeah um I mean, the, the, the reason I think to see the movie is Tom Waits. I dreamt I dwelt in marble halls, right next door to the Taj Mahal. With a hairdresser, and a limo driver, and a tailor, and my own chef. Plenty of action all the time, and plenty of dough. Plenty of dough. <laughs> my name's Friday. I carry a badge. Step out of the car, please. Can I see some identification? I'm with the LAPD. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> Did you see my badge, sir? Do you feel mine? I'm the police. I'm the church warden, the overseer, the street keeper, the turncock, the stipendiary, the magistrate, the policeman of the parish. Listen, babe, I'm the long arm of the law. Ah, you're the poodle, the church warming pan, the street sweeper, the turnip top, the stipendiary, the magistrate, and the poodle of the parish. I am the law. Yeah, and so am I. Where's your authority? Where's your registration? There it is. That's the way we do it. Yeah! Yes. If nothing else, like he. If you like Tom Waits, you will like Tom Waits in this movie. Well, it's hard not to like Tom Waits in general. I can't really remember a time I've thought he was bad in something. No. But, but, but as a, you know, we often think of him as you know for his music. But as an actor, he's you know a really talented performer just in terms of physicality. The way that he moves around a location or a scene, he he doesn't move like anybody else. All the other actors around them are just I I move in this I, I conventional. Him he kind of like slinks around a little bit. The way that he his staging around other actors, the way that he like there's one moment where she he confronts Mrs. J yeah in a scene. The way that he kind of circles around her is really distinct. Uh, so his character Silva is 
you know, easily the best part of the film. Well, you can't d- discount his voice either. Well, yeah, yeah. There's there's the voice, the voice coupled with his, uh, you know, sort of persona. And in this movie, he'll often wear like leather jacket and smoke a cigarette, which for a no- you know, you could you, a lot of actors will do that, and it might just be that's what they lead with as their performance. Like they'll let the jacket or the cigarette do the acting for them. Right. But Tom Waits doesn't do that. He has a full presence so it's not a cliche it's just this is me i'm i'm tom waits and i'm i'm wearing this jacket and this soaking a cigarette and i'm gonna you know try to wonder what you're doing here johnny and where you're from and you're gonna tell me and and uh yeah but i think the problem is he is at the at the mercy of a script that's a little bit scattered the script is wonky scattered scattered i think is actually a really good way to describe it yeah. Because there are, there are certain plot points in this film yeah. that happen off screen. They they're happen off screen, and then we got confused as to whether they were suddenly being resolved, but we weren't sure. Like, there's a character who... Johnny hears a character was raped, and then we don't hear about it, and then it's like three or four scenes later or more, and then finally that might be resolved... But, and I say that as, almost as a question because I'm still not sure. Like, maybe I would have to watch the film again, but at the same time, I don't know if the movie is high enough quality for me to rush to watch it again. Yeah, there's a It's that scene that's the most, that's the strangest uh, occurrence of this because the, he, a, he a had character... like, he had a friend who's a, he had a, I don't know if you'd call her a he girlfriend. He had a girlfriend, a woman he yeah. was living with. Mobsters go after her to get him. And she gets raped. We only hear about it because a friend tells him. Yeah. And then this makes him upset and it causes him to do stuff. But it's it's really strange that such a dramatic thing would happen off screen. And there's also a scene where you see like him and another character running from an explosion. Yeah. And, and that also feels... And apparently that's odd. supposed to be... Uh, from what I could gather, that was him getting back at the mobsters who had raped his uh, girlfriend. But it's never like, like there's a previous scene where he passes by their house and it's like, well, what was this all about? And like, why is he blowing up something here? And what's going on? And eventually, I was able to put it together. But as you're going through it, you're kind, of, you're kind of like, wait, why did, it, why is there a fire? Why are they yeah. running away? Yeah. How is this, how is this related to the plot? Yeah, I mean, even even earlier this happened because uh, Johnny Fortune tries to get a job with Tom Waits and they kick him out. But but Tom Waits, but Laura convinces Tom Waits to give him a job. And the next time we see them together, like Johnny's wearing the bear costume. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, is that him in there? Did they give him, did they find him to give him the job? I was able to piece that together. I figured that. He must be wearing the costume as part of the job because we just listened to Tom Waits talk for five minutes about it. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that helps too. There, there is, yeah, it, it could have helped to have a little bit more showing as opposed to Tom Waits just telling us. However, it is Tom Waits telling us, so I'll want that slide. I think part of the problem too in the movie is that none of the actors are exactly bad. No, but they're not up to his level. If they, that makes sense. I mean, some of them are fine. Like, the actor who plays Johnny, he's an actor named uh, Damon Lowry. 
which let me see if I've seen this guy in anything else either. Um, I have not. This is his only credit on on that I could see online. He, the the thing is, the characters aren't too distinct. Tom no. Waits' character is only distinct because he's being played by Tom Waits. Um, well, let me think about that. That's actually a good. That's actually Johnny Fortune. Point. I mean, we can tell he's this kind of irresponsible person. But well, we don't get much of a sense of what drives him. The or... thing that I said about him watching this, uh, the comment I made to you, is that he he felt a little bit like a combination of Harvey Keitel and De Niro in Mean Streets, where yeah. he's doing these irresponsible things, but he also feels guilt, and he's trying to reconcile himself with that. Um, but he doesn't have like the depth of those characters in that movie. Yeah, uh, but in those two films, like, you understood. Harry Keitel is helping all these people because he feels pr- profound sense of guilt about who he is. Uh, Robert De Niro does what he does in there because he's crazy. He's an animal. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's an animal. And, you know, maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little simplistic, but, it, you know, it's something. Yeah. Johnny is this guy who bets, loses money, steals his girlfriend's money, uh... Simply because he just seems to be a, a, he he hasn't grown up. I can be fine with an aimless character in a movie, but you gotta you gotta give me something at some point. He's got to he he has to start somewhere and he has to change somehow. Yeah, and I don't see, and there wasn't much of a moment where you can say, okay, Johnny has turned a corner here. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you're mentioning this because this is reminding me of like. I saw another film where I had this exact problem, and uh, oh, what was this movie? Oh, now, now I'm uh, recent film. Uh, fairly. Oh, I, I talked about it. The movie Good Time. Oh, okay. That was in the movie where again, like you had Robert Pattinson and yeah. his brother, and they you know rob a bank, and then like everything starts to go downhill from there. That was another movie where. It, it kind of bugged me a little bit that I didn't get to know Robert Pattinson, his motivations a little bit more. Um, at least there, the actor was so dynamic that maybe I could let that go a little bit. Here, again, Damon Lowry is fine, but he's a little plain. He, he kind of has the same, like, I'm a really mean bloke. I'm going to this auction. Blah, 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 blah. Like, this is the kind of movie where there's one character who you know is kind of a bad guy because he has a ponytail. Yes. <laughs> and because he looks a bit like Jonathan Price. <laughs> Jonathan Price with a little bit of Christopher Lee. Yes. Um, so he has that thing. And, but you uh, don't understand... Ex- eventually you do figure out a lot of the plot. No, no. By the last third, I felt like I was a little bit more into the film than I was before. Yeah. It can leave you feeling a little lost, but as long as you're paying attention... Yeah. And you have your ear open, then eventually you'll figure out. Okay, well, this makes a little more sense. Yeah. Uh, but there, but it seems like you have to really make that effort to 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 keep your focus on the film to make sure that you're getting everything. I think that when you talk about like when you mentioned that the only reason that uh, the Tom Waits character is so interesting is because he's played by Tom Waits. I have a feeling that. Maybe on paper this character was a little similar to how some of the others were. Like they weren't, like he wasn't that well defined. Like maybe he was just written as typical tough guy, uh, 
in a way tough he's guy a, artist tough guy artist slash um magical mystical uh helper character you know we call this uh, trope in other movies the magical mystical negro uh yeah when he's when he's black well yeah he's this is like that if it's a magical mystical tom waits yeah um but which, i think that, uh, which i will take any day of the yeah week. no again i feel like he must have he he probably took what was there in the script and elevated it which I, you know, he God made acting him. choices that uh that that made that character interesting when he was on screen yeah it was it was almost the kind of similar thing that uh you remember that uh, recent Welcome to the Basement episode where they talked about the Wild One? Yeah. And Marlon Brando and his whole thing. Yeah, where... Marlon Br- the Wild One would be a very forgettable film if Marlon Brando wasn't in it. That's yeah. what I think Matt Sloan said. Yeah, I mean, I actually liked the Wild One quite a bit aside from Marlon Brando's performance, but I, I got what he meant. Right. And I feel like that's a kind of similar thing here. I feel like this would be even more forgettable if not for for weights and uh, and what he brings to it, where you know he's the kind of guy who can actually be cool on screen, and again, it's not a cliche. He's just cool. Yeah. Like he, you know, again, like even just like little moments, like in the when you first see him in the first Punch and Judy uh, bit, where you know they're entertaining the kids, and he's just kind of slinking around in a coat, and then they're doing like a he's doing a bit with. Uh, johnny in the bear costume yeah it's just really charming and every time he does the punch and judy uh thing uh that almost has a kind of odd poetry to it (laughs) because as the movie goes on the punch and judy segments kind of mirror how things are getting worse and worse in the story yeah um so i mean there are some there are some good scenes and there are some interesting moments uh there's also a bit where uh, to distract a couple of uh, hoodlum or not hoodlum, to distract a couple of cops, Tom Waits appears as Sherlock Holmes. He puts on glasses and a scarf and pretends to own the bike <coughs> and a pipe and a pipe. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was uh, now that I think about it, it's like, oh, I, I have a pipe all ready yeah. to smoke it. Let's take care of this. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't know. Again, I mean, I. I was trying to write notes about this, but I was just at times feeling a little distracted too. And which I, you know, there, again, there are interesting elements in just the sense of, all right, well, here's this, uh, this place that Mrs. J runs that maybe used to be more of like an entertainment, uh, uh, spectacle, uh, theater. Uh, I think it was basically just a, a prop and costume rental place. Okay, yeah, it was. It was not like she ran like a, a studio. Okay, it's kind of like you put you put this sort of place into a into a story to give it this sort of air of mystery and, yeah. and wonderment. But none of that mystery and wonderment really comes out in the film. It's all this kind. No. The story is basically the story of a man on the run from the mob. But the directors are trying to set it up in a, in the manner of a fairy tale. It doesn't quite work. No, there's a lot of since it feels like there's a lot of sincerity behind. Yeah, there it. is. So, and it feels like everybody's on board with that, uh-huh. and they're trying to make it work. No one here is kind of no one here is like slumming it. Is it being no, like, no, no. You could tell, and I'm and I'm not saying that the acting is bad or something like that. Because sometimes when when people try to be sincere, that's when you sometimes get those unintentionally 
funny bad movies. I don't think that this is that. It's no. just that you feel them working. It's not completely working, but there are interesting things going on scene to scene. And that's why and that's why that unseen rape is really a bone of contention for me. Yeah. Because everything before that has kind of fit that tone of we have this semi-serious story about the mob. We have these sort of fairy tale elements, but then we throw in this rape, which doesn't, which is kind of, which all it does in terms of the plot is motivate Johnny to do other things. Yeah, but then the, you also the character of Kate, who is who actually get gets raped, she more or less disappears from the plot. She, she has does. one scene left after that. Right, Charlotte Coleman is the actress. Right, it becomes a lot less interesting. She becomes a lot less forceful, and uh, well, also the last third of the film also hat takes a bit of a turn. Um, I mean, I don't know if how exactly you can spoil this movie. Nobody's really seen this. This is like has like fifty votes on IMDb. Well, let's let's not uh, jump ahead of ourselves, but no, no, it's. No. But, 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 rape, but what I'm they, saying is though they, things happen the last third and that character's not present. Right. And then you you and then the rape gets thrown in and it's like we've we've suddenly gone into much darker territory. The pool has gotten way deeper, but the film but it's just this one thing. The tonal and it really clash, meshes with the with the tone of the it's film. It's a it's a tonal clash where you feel like there's a certain point where at first the movie starts off a little serious because again you have the story that almost feels like more of a crime film. Again, I mentioned the movie performance. I mentioned Guy Ritchie films. Again, it's not up to that freaking no. level. But it's kind of like that a little bit. Then all of a sudden he gets involved with uh, Mrs. J and then uh, uh, Julie and uh, Tom Waits, uh, who plays Silva. And then they feel like, okay, here's where the movie's going to take a little bit of a lighter tone. Or if not lighter, you know, it, it's not as serious. Like you have yeah. moments where Tom Waits will tell uh, Johnny uh, stories that uh you know are actually kind of pretty entertaining and uh yeah uh but then yeah then, then as you said then it's only throwing that rape and it's again it's off screen and then when that gets resolved it doesn't fully feel resolved it doesn't feel earned no is the other word that really should be used the story I, it, doesn't earn it it's in there for no other reason than to make johnny make more poor decisions and you you could have had a better reason or something else for him to to do to do that you don't have to just suddenly throw in that as a uh, as something that because basically at that point you could have thrown in anything uh, yeah uh the the kate the character who gets who gets uh raped uh she has a pool table in her apartment that she's really protective of and if you wanted to do this of a lighter tone i we even see that pool table at the end it's up it's upended the leg is broken off the felt is ripped open yeah and if you wanted to just do it with a lighter tone it's like i kind of to i don't know if i this this sounds ridiculous please uh, okay we can edit it out if this sounds stupid. No, try. If they wanted to motivate people to do things and yes. feel like Kate had been wronged, right? They could have made it. They destroyed my pool table. That's fine. Yeah, I don't think that, that, that's that, that's out of whack. <laughs> I got thrown off because of like we're comparing rape and we're destroyed pool table, but it's 
you could have made it there are lots of things you could have made it's like oh they stole all my winnings <laughs> they, they busted up the pool place and it's like if you were going to try to keep that lighthearted tone uh-huh. there was so many possibilities you could use and then they throw in a rape that yeah. real that uh really doesn't affect anyone else but Johnny yeah exactly um this is also an interesting thing. Uh, this is one of those uh, films where, uh, again, we mentioned that there are two directors, Anne and Eduardo Guedes. Um, this is their... Uh, oh, no, no. Actually, Eduardo Guedes made a couple other films. But, uh, yeah, this is... They did not make many other works. They, they, they I guess, somehow lucked out getting Tom Waits to, to, to do this movie. Um, again, huh? he, he's the biggest name in the cast. Again, there are, there are a couple of other British actors that might be known for people who really watch for British character actors. There's this guy named Alex Norton, who, uh, God, he, he's one of those people who's been like a thousand BBC shows. And, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he was in, uh, oh, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Huh. And uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, as Napoleon. Huh. Huh. How about I've that? seen that movie. I have too. You saw the one from 2002 with yeah. uh, Jim Caviezel and uh, uh, Guy Pierce. I'm a priest, not a saint. I kind of like that one. I think that was Richard Harris's last movie. Huh. I think so. Or one of his last ones. Because he died around like 2002 and that was like, you know, you had the last two Harry, the first two Harry Potter movies. And I think that one. Uh, was like his last non-Harry Potter role. He played a really good bedraggled old man. Yeah, he's the one that helps out. Uh, he he he's God. What was his character? He helps out Edmund Dantes out of prison. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I know we're getting a little off track. But anyway, yeah, Alex Norton is in the movie. I think he plays one of the gangsters. Uh, I don't know what else to say until unless we before we get into spoilers. I think we've said a lot of things. I think this is more of a pretty good learning experience. I do like the... When you say... How so? Uh, well, first of all, I do want to say I do like the aesthetics of it. It mm. seems like it, it, it's very much a film of the 80s. Well, especially in, in the of, score. Yeah, in terms of the score and in terms of appearance and to lesser extent the fashion. I don't think the score has dated that well. I was kind no, of almost mocking it. it's clearly done on a, a Casio keyboard. Casio keyboard with occasional saxophone. Yes. And... Uh, um, but it feels like it's, but it feels like there's something about the lighting. There's something about the presentation of it that really has this sort of soft eighties glow. It, it, at the same time, there's occasionally a little bit of grit to it too. It's th- that's something that I think does work as far as a mix of a light visual tone and maybe a slightly grittier visual tone. Yeah. Um, now, whether sometimes the editing choices make as much sense, I'm not sure. But why does this scene have to take place in a in a yard full of broken down airplanes? Why is this? Uh, yeah. Why is this one particular scene even take place inside an airplane? Right. Uh, but I think it's a good learning experience because I do. I am intrigued by this idea of an urban fairy tale, mm. and clearly we've discussed better options for pursuing that. I mean, if you're going to do a fairy tale, it has to have a light tone. If you're going to make it urban, you have to add a little bit of, you know, what we would consider to be an urban setting and situations. I mean, it all it has those elements to it. They make some bad choices when it comes to tone, and the characters are underwritten. 
but still what they were almost they they came close to success except for some pretty easily identified bad choices yeah that's a good way of putting you, it you could there was ambition it's just that you almost get the sense that maybe they hadn't made a lot of films which is the case and they were trying to find their footing and couldn't quite get there I would think this isn't so much a failure of filmmaking as it is a failure of writing. Uh, it's more they, so in the writing. They, yeah. they they knew what they wanted to do, but they didn't know how to do it. That's a good way of they, putting it. And yeah. they made a go at it, and they got they got pretty close, but they weren't experienced enough to pull it off. Yeah, yeah, they weren't experienced enough to pull off what they... They had more ambition in the script that, as opposed to directorially, they probably knew a little better what they wanted to do. Maybe this just need one more draft or something like that, or somebody to just tell them no, no, Maybe. don't do that. Uh, but you know, it wasn't a bad movie to watch. No, 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 it wasn't bad. I just wish that maybe it had been better. Like if well, the rest, always, if the rest of the production had always, been up to what Waits was doing, then we would have really had something. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's too. You off. have a good point. Yeah. I guess the, the moral of the story is if you sometimes see that something says title, colon, a fairy tale, you either will get very pleased or will... Or you'll get Lady in the Water. <sighs> well, that's a case where... that's a case, I think we can say that this wasn't like... They didn't have their heads up their asses exactly this, in this no, movie. There, there's no ego in this film. No, there's not exactly any ego. It's just people trying out a story that is only sometimes working. Yes. Um, so I think that's a good place to uh, to say that, uh, yeah, if you want to, again, if you want to check this out before we get into spoilers, uh, we watched this on, this was actually not available on video for, uh, for quite a long time. Like, if I go on Amazon, like, proper, like, the regular store, uh, oh, oh, no, actually, I should take that back. There is a, there is a DVD... For like fifteen dollars or something, I don't like. I think there was probably what happened was when I first was getting into Tom Waits like a decade or so ago. Uh, maybe I probably tried to look up to see if this was available on video, and um, and I didn't see it available at the time. In these years since, it is now available on DVD. It's also on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Video Prime, you can check out the movie there. I don't know where else you would check it out, but. Uh, yeah, Great. so there's that. Um, okay, so if you don't want to be spoiled by the film, uh, then you might want to pause the video now and uh, join us at the very end or do whatever you want. Uh, or if you don't care or you're fine or you've seen it, you can keep listening on with us starting in three, two, one. Okay, so uh, Tom Waits' death. Yeah. What was up with that? He faked his death. And he came back to uh, help Johnny escape his own uh, possible death. Is that Duex Tomina? No. <laughs> Waits Ex Machina? I don't know. It, I don't know how I feel about that. Because the way that they showed it, if he because so, he, he explains to Johnny when he reappears, I faked my own death. Like, But who shot him? Nobody. Clearly nobody shot him. There was a bullet wound in his back, and there was a fake bullet wound. But where is it coming from? It's behind, behind him. <laughs> not good enough. I need more concrete proof. Like, 
the thing is, it also, I guess it's supposed to come as like a shock, so maybe that's why it, it's there. It just, I don't know. I, and what's funny is how you brought it up too when we were watching it. He's like, yeah, it's going to be like Nick Fury. Yeah. And it was. It was a Nick Fury situation. <laughs> it was. Well, like, except that, like, I don't think Nick Fury faked his death in Winter Soldier. Yeah, he did. Did he? Sure. He I, got shot, but instead of. But instead of dying for real, he fake died, and he came back in the final act of the film. No, but what I'm saying though is th- is that you're you're, but what you're saying spoilers is spoilers he... for Captain America: Winter Soldier. By the way, I, I think it's it's been out for a few <laughs> years. It's it's fine. Um, <laughs> if anybody's seen Age of Ultron, he's in that. That's not really all right. Anyway, he was barely in Age um, of Ultron. All right, but anyway. Um, no, but I think the difference is... You want to start that... talking about Avengers movies now? Ah, why not? No. Um, what would be the best role for Tom Waits in the Avengers? No. Um, he should be... Um... No, he... Are you, were you actually going to give me a real answer? I was going to try to, but, uh, but I, it would take too long. I can't okay. think of it. All right, the point is, I... It just... it. I, I didn't really... I don't feel like the movie earned that. Him coming back. I guess, I don't know, maybe it made the ending work a little better than if it hadn't happened. I just, it just didn't make much sense. It felt like that was, because that was a very clear point. That was like, you know, again, it, it still, I guess, works as a turning point in the story. But I, I bought into it. I didn't think it was him trying to pull a magic trick. I thought he got shot as kind of like collateral damage as far as somebody going after Johnny. I didn't think that that was what made it fake. And I guess though the deleting the question, does the ending work then when he comes back? Uh, the ending. It feels weird. The ending is not about him necessarily. It's about Johnny. I guess. So when yeah. you're talking about, I don't. Know, but I didn't get what Johnny's conclusion was by the end. Like Tom Waits kind of comes and helps save him. And I guess he tells him Johnny, like he tells Johnny, go, go, go away. There, there is a problem with that ending though, because it does kind of just end. Johnny is presumably off the hook from the mob because they think he's dead. Right. But then what? Does he go back to help Kate? Does he go back to be with Laura? Does he join with with uh, Tom Waits? Does he? We need a fe- day- Does he become a better person? We need a denouement. There need yeah it's like suddenly like one of the mobsters shoots the bear costume thinking they've killed uh johnny and then you see the bear costume lying there and it's like okay well you see the bear's head yeah it's like okay fine but then it's what because johnny is this flawed character we need to see him change somehow and we haven't seen that at all no, we don't see him change by the end of it. Like by the it's end, an... he he he's gotten more desperate. He gets, he in the, he's in the bear costume, and he gets. Uh, is it is it the gangsters that bring him into that club where yeah. he gets the crappy out of him? He gets his crap. That crappy. was probably one of the highlights of the film. Yeah, it's it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's 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 not like super exciting, but the mobsters capture him. They insist on bringing him to the club in his bear suit with the with the eye bear with the makeup on too. Yeah, that was a funny moment. And then they just put him in the club, and people start just wailing on him. Like, did they was... know who he was? Like, I don't know. Were did they have like were they like all like Stephen Colbert from the Colbert Report? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> I'm going after the bears. 
And it's like, did they all just hate bears? Was this like a thing that always happens? Do they always bring in a guy? Were they the more of like a? Were they more of a? Him? Were they more of a bull market group? <laughs> I mean, I get it. You get him beat up, and you get him desperate. You bring him down <laughs> to his lowest point. But yeah. you know what? What change does that make in the character? How does it advance his story? I have no, and I have no clue. <laughs> I and I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> to watch that scene it is a bizarre moment that maybe it's supposed to be like that's the moment in the fairy tale where everything just goes completely wrong that's the moment in the fairy tale where everyone kills a bear (laughs) (laughs) i don't know Uh, hey at least it makes more sense than nicholas cage in a bear costume punching out a woman yeah but it's like so i.e the wicker man it's so ambiguous that it's like, what conclusion are we supposed to draw from this scene? Why was this so important? That's why, like, again, it, a, a lot of a lot of individual scenes in Bearskin really work unto themselves. It's just that maybe the connective tissue isn't really there on the script level. Well, we've already established that the script of, of I know, Bearskin I, I know, is we did, but I'm, I'm I'm saying in that particular way too, like near the end, where it, it it's and what's funny is that I. Oddly enough, I started to like the film more in the last part, maybe just because I, I was I would they were focusing on a tone and they were sticking with it. Yeah. Like they were now suddenly, okay, here are being dramatic. Good. You're not now being you're not going into any light stuff. Um, there's also a really good scene where you could say Laura gets closure though. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, there's a scene where she and Mrs. J have a thing. And it's clear that, you know, they are mother and daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the reason why Mrs. J doesn't rent out costumes anymore. I don't know why that would be it. Yeah, there's a lot of... with Tom Waits and and I guess that's why Mrs. J is all upset. This is one of those films that clearly fell through the cracks of time. Like, I... I'm actually looking on IMDb, and I don't think this even got a real release in the United States. Hmm. It got, I think it was released in the UK. Like, I'm on, again, I'm on IMDb, I'm not kidding, you usually have a section on there called External Reviews, where you see, like, people at whatever Joe Schmo website will write a review of, of whatever movie. There are no reviews of this movie. We gotta change that. There's one review in the user comments, and it's someone who didn't like the film. And uh, yeah, we will change that though. We will be the first. Woo. So we're coming for you, IMDb. Woo! Saving the day. Exactly. But uh, <coughs> but yeah, sometimes again, it <clears throat> this reminds me of how like I'm. This is just a side note. I'm I'm actually I'm listening to another podcast called Eighties All Over right now. Which is just uh, where these two critics are looking at month by month every single movie that was released in the 1980s. Every single movie? Well, every single movie that got, like, significantly released. So, The Black Cauldron. Well, eventually, I guess. (laughs) Well, The Black Cauldron. uh, Think of any movie from the 80s that is just like, oh my god. Legend. I'm sure we'll get to that too. They're not 1985 yet, but the point I'm making is I'm I'm listening right now, and you know they're talking about movies I've never heard of that they had never heard of at times, and um, you know they're having a kind of experience like that where it's just sometimes movies just fall through the cracks. Sometimes it's for good reasons, sometimes for not. 
This one, it's it's in the middle. There are good things to recommend about it. Like we said earlier, if you really like Tom Waits, it is something that for Tom Waits completists is uh, something you should get to. Um, for those who aren't as big on him, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, but uh, I mean, as far as like British crime movies go, it's a little more middling. It's not one that I think that you need to seek out that's as strong as other ones I've seen. I'd say if you're looking for a British crime film, this is going to disappoint you. No, this is not on the level of like... If you want a, a British those. urban fairy tale, however, Ooh. this is probably the best you're going to get. Mm, off the top of my head, maybe. I mean, I'd have to think a little bit more about that if there is a better example. If you can think of an example, though, I'd recommend that you email us at wageofcinema at gmail.com. Yeah, do our job for us. Yeah, or, or Twitter or Facebook. If you can think of another movie from England uh, that's in the crime-type genre that uses uh, uh, fairy tale uh, storytelling or, or, uh, or tropes, uh, please let us know. Um, we'll rake in the bucks. You guys any, can do the heavy lifting. Any final thoughts about Bearskin, a fairy tale, an urban fairy tale? You know, I don't think I've seen. I haven't seen Down by Law. Hmm. I don't think I've seen another movie where Tom Waits had such a prominent acting role. So you uh, and you and I remember you when we we you talk you told me briefly uh, before the movie started that you actually didn't remember him from Dracula. Yes. Which is interesting. Like now, maybe that's actually a credit to him that he blended into the film that well. Perhaps, but I, th- I guess basically this is the first time me, uh, me watching Tom Waits really act, and I'm glad I saw that because I can see what's behind that. I can see that he really had skill. I would or, al- or has skill. I right? would He's still around. I, I would know. mention. I would also though recommend to uh, for those of you listening, and also you, Andrew, that uh, if you want an even better movie where tom waits appears in a supporting role and it's a uh, a crime movie uh there's a film called seven psychopaths that came out about uh five years ago from uh martin mcdonough that movie is pretty awesome and uh he spends much of that movie carrying a uh like a puppy or something uh and that's all i'll say um all right so i think we've said enough about bear skin for now um like i said if you want to check it out it's on amazon it's a video maybe you should check it out give it a shot you never know you know that's why we do this series we like to try to expand our horizons but also yours as well um when we come back next time with what the devil is that we'll probably have you know it's it's october so we will have uh something spooktacular for you yes because how can we not <laughs> we enjoy spooktacle as much as anybody Oh, that's so, a good term. We I, I never heard that before. So thank just you. Just made it up. But thank you for listening to us, and we really appreciate it. And uh, and uh, when we come back next time, uh, we'll actually have some uh, some new movies to review. And uh, hopefully, also soon, we'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll try to come back this month with a uh, another uh, Doctor Jack and Doctor Andrew case file episode. That could be fun. It will. Yes, I think we have a good one planned. Um, so with that said, thank you for calling, uh, calling. Thank you for calling. Oh God. Yeah. Thank you for calling the wages of cinema. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Take two. (laughs) Take two. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And the wages of cinema is welcome. New movie phone. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Good night.
mile up the dam, smoke Jimmy the Harper with a hard little pistol and a Larry.